1: see the hurt in the cowboy's eyes Like a thunderhead from a clear blue sky It was a long, hard winter and a cold late spring Now it's time to heal where the grass turns green At the Brandon Pen beneath the snowy peak On the reservoir road, toward Otter Creek, swing a leg on a bronc, feel the mountain wind, build a big wide loop, let the fun begin, that's how you heal a cowboy's heart, drag a slick Thank the Lord above That you're where you are That's how he heal Cowboys are. Was his youngest son Was a damn good hand he was just a boy, but so much a man. Now there will always be an emptiness inside. All a man can do is saddle up and ride. And that's how you heal the cowboy's heart. Drag a slick knee Thank the Lord above that you're where you are. a sacred day I feel the branded caps means a brand new start and that's how you
2: Your songs have a sense of place that's in the mountains, on the range, in the West. Yeah. This one is Call You Cowboy. So it's, were you driving down Weber Canyon and saying, I'm not going to be a cowboy? And like, I'd call my friend a cowboy. Yeah. I'll call you the cowboy. but Or were you trying to say, call me a cowboy
3: No, I'll tell you what. You were
2: realizing you weren't a cowboy. You you, you knew it as you're driving down Weaver Canyon. I
3: think as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old guy, I probably had hopes that I'd still be able to become one, you know. But in the context of that song, Jason Van Tassel's father wanted him to become a businessman. And here he was just ready to throw what little belongings he had in his truck and trailer and drive across the country. I think at one point, you know, something came up about his dad had called him a drifter. (laughs) And, uh, and I call him, I call him a cowboy.
2: Uh So it's about Jason, nothing to do
3: with your own story. I don't think so. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. I'm a guy who uh, looks at some of these tunes and, uh, after all these years, I, I do see myself in these songs, you know, but I think these songs are at their best. And I'm at my best as a writer and a creative artist when, You know, in my mind, I'm giving this message to somebody who needs it at the time. I've got a few songs that, you know, just kind of fell out, fell on the paper. How You Heal is one of them. How You Heal is a song that came about fairly uh, organically as well. I, You know, another ranch family from Randolph and Lake Town, and that whole Randolph Valley is kind of the Utah ranching capital, and up there, these guys are great hands, great cowboys, Eight brothers of one family in the All Ranch, the Weston family. One of my cowboy heroes called me up and he said, you know, he's a guy that never has a bad day. He says, we've had a bad day. He said, my cousin, my uncle's youngest son uh, was thrown from a truck and was killed in an accident. And uh, would you come up here and sing at the funeral? And there I went, you know, there's the whole Weston family in the little Randolph Chapel. And, you know, I... I sang at the funeral service and, and it was just so hard to see them in in that kind of tragedy and the wake of that tragedy, you know, because they are just such an iconic family. You know, these guys ride bucking horses for fun. <laughs> and uh, I, I get on a horse and I think, man, I hope he doesn't crow hop, you know. If his head drops at all, I'm sort of tense, you know. But these guys do it for fun, you know, and these are generations that have lived that way and They put so much, so much beef into the marketplace, you know, they're just such great people. They invited me the next spring to come to the Brandon, and literally it was the guys that have always been there, and Terrell Weston would have been there. And I imagine in my heart that he was there in spirit. In a way, I guess I was sort of trying to fill the empty boots and unable to do so uh, from a you know, the standpoint of, I'm, I just, I'm not a Terrell, I'm not Terrell Weston, you know, I'm no. not a Weston, but riding out with those guys uh, to go, you know, gather a pasture of calves and bring them back and brand them. Isn't a day I'd, I'll never forget. It was a perfect day of branding. And uh, what's
2: a perfect day of branding?
3: You know, is was, ah, uh, the weather was just incredible. There was uh, snow on the peaks. It was probably in the sixties, not much dust, I probably uh caught half the time, you know, and uh the Westons catch all the time hundred uh-huh. you know, the, yeah, they're a hundred percent, and there was no big wrecks or anything and I mean it was just in the camaraderie it was good lunch, you know, they had me play a few tunes, and it was just one of those kind of magical days, you know, and I think for them it was it was a hard time, you know it was them coming back to tradition. Um, after losing a, a family member in tragedy. There was smiles and laughter that day, but there was also something missing there, you know, and there was hopefully some healing there, you know, and watching them turn their product out on green spring grass, wearing their brand was uh, something I'll I'll never forget. You know, that's another song. I literally left the corrals that day and had that song halfway written before I got home and, just kind of feel like it, it sort of fell in my lap, you know. How you heal. Yeah.
2: Is a sympathy card to the Weston family?
3: You know, I, I think so, but I think more than, than a sympathy card, I think it's, uh, I think they will heal. It's both, you will move forward. You will carry on this family brand. There will always be pain in your heart. I've lost people in tragedy and, and I know that those are wounds that don't ever really completely heal. You know, you learn to live with them, so to speak. You know, we're in the middle of the process of them doing that. And I think that song came as encouragement for them through that difficult time. And and so, yeah, probably it was a bit of a sympathy card, but... Uh,
2: but more than that.
3: Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe words of hope that uh, there is a spring for every season.
2: And you mentioned lord in that so yeah you know there's a religious spirituality to the song
3: absolutely you know these are deeply spiritual people they're connected to the land and connected to their livestock and yeah i think you know what was apparent to me that day is uh you know the presence of presence of angels you know riding around us you know it was it was palpable as much as the dust in the air you know you could just feel that uh
2: Terrell was there. Hmm. So talk to me about the uh, production process. You wrote the song in one sitting?
3: Yeah. Really, uh, those songs come probably in a matter of 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. You know, you flesh them out and you arrange them. You know, there's maybe some little riff or something on the guitar that leads you sort of into the next level. It's almost like... You know, you feel these um, gates open and you just kind of pass through them as a as an artist, you know. There's a, there's a pathway for this stuff to go down. And sometimes it just comes together very easily, meshes it together very nicely, you know. That's one of those songs. You know, in the studio, uh, recorded that in Nashville. Great multi-instrumentalist legendary guy by the name of Jonathan Yudkin really kind of co-produced that record, another guy by the name of uh, J.T. Kornfloss, guitar player, guys I've recorded with and worked with in the studio, and they kind of understand, you know, my vision, and try to take a really pure approach to it, and leave the essence of the song there, not overstep their bounds, I think, as uh, instrumentalists, and J.T. Kornfloss came up with that little riff on the gut string guitar, and Yudkin had that You know, haunting thing he was doing on the violin. And I just, I swear, I think we, that was a two or maybe a one or two take song. Wow. Yeah. It just came together so easily. How You Heal was the first record that I really felt confident as a musician, as an instrumentalist to sit there and play with these guys, have a click track going, you know, wired up the way we are in front of a mic with my guitar in my hand and. Playing and singing, these are live takes, you know, and it took me however many records to uh, get to the point where I felt like I could comfortably and confidently do that. And I'll always think of How You Heal as the record that, um, you know, allowed me to to step forward and comfortably sit with these world-class players and not feel like a total klutz, you know?
2: You remember what studio it was in Nashville?
3: Yeah, it was at County Q. You know, there's so many studios like that down there, but uh, this is a great little studio. They kind of a powerhouse, crank out a lot of great stuff there. And it's a small, small place that you can almost have eye contact with everybody. And it was a great place to do a kind of a live record.
2: So you're a Western songwriter Nashville yeah. Nashville's country. Yeah. And I, I'm still trying to figure out differences um, other, you know, than the, always... other than the audience. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I always say that uh, you know, country music is about a woman and, and cowboy music is about a horse. That that's not entirely true, <laughs> but uh it's different. You gotta live this this stuff really and experience it to write about it, you know, from a first hand perspective. And you know, there was certainly a time I think when I felt pressure to become a country singer. Obviously there was some there was some pull from that industry to do so and It was not a good fit for me. Why is that? You know, I sat down in some of those co-writing sessions with those guys. And, you know, we get the music role pick list and they tell you, you got to write a two and a half minute two step for, you know, whoever uh, needs it or a four minute love ballad or whatever. And, you know, you exchange your ideas and maybe, you know, this guy you're writing with, maybe you don't, maybe there's three of you, four of you and uh, you try to write something, write a hit. You know, that's what they all want is a hit. In those days, a hit's worth quarter of a million bucks, split however many ways between publishing and songwriters. A lot of those guys were career writers, and I learned the craft of songwriting from them, I think. How to arrange, how to intro, how to support ideas, you know, how to bring a song to an apex, to a climax. Certainly, you know, there's some craftsmanship there, and there's some songsmiths in Nashville. I just couldn't write about things that I hadn't experienced or didn't touch me, and you know everything I think, as far as country music goes in those days was all about uh you know the South Dixieland will rise again. I love the south, my half my family's from there, but uh, I'm a westerner, you know, I remembered artists like Marty Robbins and even in those days you know in the nineties uh, George Strait and Garth Brooks were singing rodeo songs still and So I I felt like, you know, if anything, there would be a space in that genre for somebody from the Rocky Mountain West, but uh, I was in this to be a creator and to be a first-hand creator from real experience. There's so many great things that Nashville lends to the creation of music and the music industry. I still think it's the recording epicenter of the world, you know, where technology and uh, artists, you know, and art, when I say artists, I mean, multi-instrumentalists, engineers, producers come together like nowhere else on the earth. You know, the system for recording that they refined, I think through the, through the eighties and nineties, uh, did wonders for recorded music across the board, all, all genres. When I, I was making a record there in 2004 at Oceanway and, uh, Megadeth was recording in the <laughs> in the A studio. I was in the B studio. Megadeth was in the A studio. There were times we'd have to wait, you know, for a like a we were taking a mandolin track or something and we'd have to wait till they quit their uh electric guitar solo or their drum solo or whatever.
2: They were loud? They were loud.
3: They were yeah, they so were, loud even in the soundproof studio. They were loud and, and they uh did a lot of stuff outside in the hall that uh thankfully didn't carry in either, but uh <laughs> um That's a different crowd. That's a different crowd, you know, but, but they went to Nashville to make a record because that was such a great old studio, you know, an old church that converted into a studio down there on Music Row. And there's just so many things, you know, from Nashville that, that I think we have to uh, give credit where credit is due to that industry. But, you know, the music that I, that I write and uh, the way of life that I cherish, you know, is, is out here in the Rocky Mountain West and I got to live it to write about it.